all make sure that we are just uh, aware of the times in which we find ourselves and we're keeping in regular contact and communication. But I do want to do a couple of things this morning. First of all, I'd love to just really chat as a family. I feel like we have a lot to process after what's been, goes without saying, a very interesting week. And then I do have a specific passage of scripture and a message on my heart that I would love to share with you. So in in the light of all that's happened this last week, it's worth us just taking stock and thinking for a moment, how are we actually going? How are you going? I've had a lot of you ask, how am I going? And you know, it's an interesting question to answer. I think for me, as I've said to some people, I, I don't really know. I'm not really quite sure what it is that I should be feeling or I shouldn't be feeling. It's... I feel a little bit like, you know, you you get a computer at times and you're trying to run a variety of applications and it says something along the lines of you don't have the memory to be able to process all that's going on. And certainly I feel a little bit like that as well. There's just so many things going on. I, I don't even know at times how to process all that is around us. For example, we were in a park yesterday, our 10th birthday party for one of my beautiful little girls. And it was just one of those perfect Canberra autumn days. Love this season of the year. The sun was shining, gentle breeze, warm weather, crisp mornings, everything you love about just the perfect Canberra autumn day. And yet in the midst of that time, as we were celebrating with her a time of of great joy and amidst all the awkwardness of how do we greet people now? Do we save? Is it an elbow bump? Is it a, you know, a, a foot wrestle? Like what? What, what do we do? And there's no, no uh, framework even for social norms. But during that whole time, I was getting messages from my brother, who at that time was uh, stuck in South America. He'd heard the call to come home and done everything he could to try and get a flight, and planes were cancelled. And I mean, he is an avid traveller, and I have never seen him this stressed in his life. He was all but saying he's, he's not a religious person, but I was almost expecting him to say, please pray for me. And I, did, I said that anyway, even though he didn't ask for it. I said, bro, I'm praying for you, praying for favor. And he went through an airport in Brazil and literally they let him in and said, you're virtually the last person we're allowing in because the whole airport's shutting down for the next two to three months, foreseeable future. Somehow managed to scrape into to, uh, Chile, caught a, a, a plane home and he did make it back to Melbourne. But I'm getting all these, you know, emergency updates and text messages and, you know, there's, there's this thing of what, what is normal anymore? Like, what, what is normal? This beautiful day, what's normal, what's not normal? And, you know, all of the, uh, the interesting stories you get out of supermarkets, I'm sure many of us have, have braved the supermarket aisles. I had someone saying, saying to me they were down at their local Aldi in the south side, Tuggeranong region, and they were one of the people, you know, all these people... Somewhere must have stockpiles of toilet paper, but the rest of us are still in need. So they'd queued up an hour before the shop had started, uh, was, was going to open its doors. And they said just before they opened the shop, the, uh, the shop manager came out and gave them all a talking to and said, look, I want to let you know we actually have police and security guards on site today. We're going to allow you to come in, but I want you to know that you need to come in in an orderly fashion. There'll be no altercations. You'll be handed your ration of toilet paper and other products you're after. And if there is any scuffle, if there is any rudeness to staff, if there's pushing and shoving, you will automatically be forcibly removed from the venue. And this person was, you know, standing there a little bit 
dumbstruck. Like, I, I just don't have... Is, is this our country? I don't, I don't have a nice, neat little box to put that in. You know, there's nice, there's, there's, there's nice little neat boxes we like to have. And I think for so many of us where we found ourselves completely outside of our comfort zones. And I want to just give us this encouragement. You know, it's, it's okay to be a little bit not okay, right? It's okay to not feel like you know exactly what to feel. And it does come in waves. And, you know, I've had, as I'm sure many of you have had, the same conversation time after time after time. But that's a good thing. We, we need to be talking with one another. We need to be willing to listen to one another. And that's a part of the journey, I believe, in just learning to process through what are really unusual times. There's no manual for how to feel in the midst of a pandemic. There's certainly no manual for how to run a church in the midst of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. <clears throat> so let me just talk about that for a moment. Obviously, as you've gathered, I'm turning to this camera here. As, as you've gathered, we are going for online streaming church for this particular season. And even in that particular decision, you know, I really feel for the leaders. I think if ever there's a time to pray for governmental leaders and people in positions of authority, it is now. Because these are significant, weighty choices. And, you know, we, we had to make a call this week for our particular congregation and the hundreds of people that it affects. But these people are making decisions that literally affect millions and know the course and the future of nations so we need to be prayerful for them for for wisdom so obviously the government is uh re-evaluating regularly their advice as to what we can and can't do and there is a sense and there's just there's one aspect of this that i think is important for us to talk to moving back to this camera this is called manual camera switching here um and i was on a good track there it'll come back to me You know, we've, we've been grappling with what this looks like in light of our current scenario. And there can be this tendency, not just in churches everywhere, of almost this, this spirit of resistance. You might have seen yesterday on the news that they shut down Bondi Beach because basically the government had introduced what they thought were the um, most uh, wise parameters around how people should interact. And everybody just said, you know, we know better. We're going to resist. We're going to go to the beach anyway. And there can be that spirit in churches, and at times, sadly, we almost masquerade that as faith. You know, this is what faith looks like. Faith looks like us resisting. They said 100 and 500, well, we're going to pack people in, and we're going to do mass gatherings, and, you know, at times, either look for ways around what the government has advised, or at times, resist it entirely. And, you know, I want to say as well that I am not trying in any way shape or form to be critical of what other churches have decided to do and I think most people have decided to go for some sort of small gathering with online streaming other churches have decided other methods and that is totally fine that's not my heart at all to criticize anybody else's decision because it's tough it is really tough weighing up all these different factors and parameters but for me all I want to share is that the moment that the government said, look, this is our current desire is to limit small gatherings, it is my feeling that we are actually, if anything, to go above and beyond to abide by what our government 
and we should be thankful that our government is led by a godly man. And, you know, I'm praying particularly for Scott Morrison, not only that he'll take on board the advice of other people, but that the Lord would sovereignly direct him and give him wisdom. And, you know, I think the expression of faith that, that we should be exercising at this time as uh, you know, a picture of honouring our government, of loving our neighbour well, is, if anything, to go to the extreme to try and abide by what the best practice recommendations are in terms of our gathering sizes. And I have had people even in our own church say, oh, can we do some big gatherings? And I understand that heart because we, we don't want to lose that connection. But at the same time, we've got to weigh up the best health advice and continually the stories of weddings that go ahead or even a church service I read yesterday that went ahead in Sydney and a number of people become infected with the virus during that particular time. So I believe it's our duty of responsibility, not only to you know, the laws and regulations of our land, but to love our own people well. We have people within our congregation who are in high-risk categories. And so for this season and this time, it is my heart and my desire to say that we're going to do what we can to go above and beyond to abide by the government restrictions. At the moment, that's to limit wherever we can large gatherings, may well be that it's to limit gatherings even further to 10 people, we'll do that. It may well be that for a, a time we're isolated in our own homes, we will abide by that. Maybe that we're lining up for our two squares of toilet paper. And as individuals, I would say, let's thankfully receive that which is given to us. And remember, of course, to honour and thank the supermarket attendants who appear to be on the front line of all sorts of un-Australian behavior, certainly unchristian behavior. So that's really my heart. You know, we're not looking to retreat. We're not looking to, to hide away. We're not looking to resist. And this is our faith, you know, st statement of faith to do whatever we can to continue together. But we are looking in the midst of this season as all. Remember the gospel, the heart of the gospel is not a message of resistance. It's a message of redemption. We sung it, we proclaimed it, we believe it, that God is at work. Yeah? Someone nod. God is at work. This is no surprise to him at all. He is at work. And we can look, even in the midst of a new season, for his redemption, for the signs and the evidence of him at work in our midst. And I've said it before, I almost feel a little bit wrong saying this. It just feels a bit wrong to say but there is actually a part of me that's a little bit excited. There is about this new change of church, not about the virus. I should clarify that. Not about the infection rates and all the other chaos, but certainly about this change of the way that we're doing church. You know, church has literally left the building. Not just our church, but churches across our nation. I mean, who would have thought of that even a week ago? And I want us... To see that as a new season with new opportunities. You know, this, this really is no surprise to God. And I'd encourage you if, if, well, it encouraged me. I hope it would encourage you too. But I went back this week to just listen to the message that the Lord put on my heart for the very first Sunday of the year. For those of you who were here, you'd remember it was the smokiest day I think we've ever had in Canberra's history. Had I known it would be that dense in the building, we probably would have cancelled services. But we came in this thick cloud of smoke and it had been this 
this week where I'd had from various angles all of these alarms going off. One of my kids had, had uh, been given a Fitbit, which was logged into my account and delighted in setting an alarm, I'm sure, every five minutes. So there's alarms going off and then I was walking through the mall and alarms because of the smoke go, you know, that, was, that was going off everywhere. And in the midst of all that, the Lord really encouraged my heart and spoke to me and it was, it was very clear saying, this is a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call to the church. This is not a year that's going to look like any other year has looked before. And the interesting thing was, there was heavy smoke on the Sunday and I read in the Canberra Times later that across our city that particular day, there was 2,000, I think I've got these facts right, over 2,000 calls to the SES and other places because of alarm systems that had been triggered by the smoke. So literally on that particular Sunday, alarms across our city were going off everywhere. It's a wake-up call. God is calling us outside our comfort zone. Comfort has well and truly come and gone. Normality has walked out of the building but who knows that this isn't the very catalyst that God might use to radically change the way that we engage with one another and the world around us. And I do want to say this in the midst of all that I've said, and I'm taking a little bit of time just to lay what I feel is some important groundwork. But I do genuinely believe that we have every reason to step into this new season with hope and with an expectancy that God can and will work for our good and for his glory in the midst of this season. I believe that absolutely with all of my heart. So that's the way that I'm choosing to step forward into this season. And I pray that you'll join with me and you'll work with us as we work through new technology and some of the logistical changes. And just kind of figure out, navigate our way forward for us as a church, what this is going to look like. And in order for us to do that well, and I mentioned this in a, a video update I did on the website, but there's just two things in particular I want to mention again, just so that we're all on the same page. We, we really need to be intentional about our communication. We don't have our normal Sunday gatherings. So we're going to do everything that we can to keep the website updated, website, Facebook, and the email list. They're the three main channels of communication and at least once a week we'll let you know what's happening what's not not happening and we're also going to be looking at some other additional ways that we can stay in touch and connected so please check back regularly be you know vigilant at keeping an eye on the website if you haven't already signed up to our email lists but let's not let this just be one-way communication we need to hear back from you so can I just ask, if there's prayer needs, if there's things going on for you, please let us know. We don't want to, to become isolated. We need to be intentional with our communication, but in, intentional with the way that we connect as well. And we, as a pastoral team, spent a lot of time on Friday. And when I say we, I mean mainly Catherine, who literally spent the entire day on the phone calling everybody that we could think of that might not have got the, the Facebook and 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 email announcements about service times. Now, that's okay, but that's not something we can continue to do each and every week. So we, we need to hear back from you. Stay in touch, stay in communication. Now, the big thing that came from Catherine's efforts on Friday that we were so encouraged about was that nearly everybody we called had said, oh, I've already heard from so-and-so, and 
I'm heading over to their house, we're going to gather together. And so I know that there is a number of you who, without any prompting for us, just went and organised a gathering in your house, gathered people together, gathered your home groups together. And that's really my heart, is that nobody would be isolated, that nobody would be left out. But it is going to mean that we all need to do that, not just on a one-week basis, but as we step into this new season. So can we be intentional with our communication? Can we be intentional in the way that we really connect, we look out for one another? As I said, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had. It's not really a conversation. It's been a, a listening station. It's literally giving people an opportunity to just debrief and process and I think we all need that. So certainly within our church, but then I actually think there's a, a number of wonderful opportunities beyond even just our own people here to reach out, to love our neighbours and to engage with people around us like there has not been before until we all get shut in our homes and then that'll be different again but for the time being. So I hope that all makes sense. Can someone here say, yes, that made sense. That was all right. That's okay. Wonderful. And as I said, I know that I've taken a little bit of time to lay some groundwork. I, I have just a message, so grab your Bibles. We're going to just launch straight into it. It won't be long, I promise. And even things like just the, the length of time of service we're experimenting with. We endeavoured today to keep it to an hour, so that means we've got three minutes remaining <laughs> to preach a sermon. So pray for me. Listen well. But really, the, the message is one word. I want to talk about something this morning. The one thing I would suggest that is in shorter supply than toilet paper and hand sanitizer, and that is peace. I want to talk about the power of peace. I want to talk about the promise of peace. I want to talk about the one thing that we need that the Lord has so stirred my heart in as we enter into these uncharted waters. And that is to recognize, to realize, to grab a hold afresh of his peace. So let's read a passage of scripture from John 14. Lord, just help us this morning. Here we are navigating through waters that to us are uncharted, but we thank you that you have everything that we need for today and for this unfolding season. Even in this moment now, I pray, speak to our hearts encourage us, do whatever you want to do through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. John 14, we're heading for 27, but let's pick up the flow in verse 25. Jesus says this, These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Verse 27 Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Verse 28, you heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. You know, I love John's gospel, and I love in particular this portion. John spends nearly a third of his gospel and entirely dedicates it to one night in the life of the disciples' interaction with Jesus. It's like this intimate peek into the heart and the reality of who he is. And 
the interesting thing for me is this particular night is the night before Jesus is to go to the cross. He knows what's coming up. He knows the agony in the garden. He knows the, the brutal beating and the, the whipping and this horrific death hung upon a cross. And yet, although he knows everything that is to come, he spends this entire evening with his disciples encouraging them. Time and time again, you see his love for them, for them his concern for their well-being. I want you to have peace. I want you to have joy. I don't want you to be shaken. This, this is what's going to happen. Now, let's be honest. If you were about to face what Jesus was, what would you be thinking of? What would be your highest priority? I'll tell you what mine would have been. It would have been my peace. It would have been my joy. It would have been my faith. Guys, you've got to help me out here. Like I'm, I'm about to in, endure all this suffering. You've got to get around me and support. But, you know, what a picture. This is our Jesus. This is our Savior. That is his concern. I am concerned about my people, is what Jesus says. And so in that space, he gives them, I believe, one of the most profound encouragements. He says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now, just think about that for a moment. We've set the scene. Jesus knows where he's going, and yet he says, I have something that I want to give to you. I have something, and it's called peace, and I want to give it to you because you're going to need it in the midst of this season. Now, just, just allow that to settle in for a moment. You see, Jesus is... Sometimes we talk about peace. We think, well, peace is that moment right when the kids are all in bed. And there's finally quiet in the house. Peace is that moment where I've finished the chores and I can put my feet up. Peace is the moment when you know, the struggles and the strivings cease and I'm in a relaxed mode. But Jesus is not talking about that kind of peace, is he? He's talking about a peace as he is faced in the midst of his greatest challenge. And yet he says, I have something I want to give to you because you're going to need it. And it is a peace. As he said, it's a peace that the world could never offer to you. I have a peace and I want to give it to you. This is not a normal peace. This is a peace that is found in the midst of the storm. Not when everything's okay. But when you're facing the greatest trial that you have ever faced in your life. And yet Jesus says, here's what I want you to know. I'm so at peace, I've got peace to share. And I'm going to give you some of my peace. So I want us to talk about that peace just for a moment. And let me set it up this way. Where is it that so much anxiety, so much stress, and so much worry comes from? Where does anxiety come from? Now, there's probably... A few good answers we could come up with, but there's one for this morning. I would suggest this, that most anxiety, most worry comes from unrealized or misplaced expectations and perspective. Unrealized and misplaced expectations and perspectives. Here's the example that came to me as I was preparing that. I remember the very first time that I had made a trip to India and... 
India, for those who've been there, you'll know it's a complete assault on the senses in both extremes of that word. The good, the colour and you know, the sights and sounds and smells. And I remember so clearly arriving in India and it's, it's almost impossible to describe to someone who hasn't been there what it is like to drive in the midst of busy Mumbai traffic or even gets worse as you go out to some of the, the bigger rural cities. Almost impossible. You, you literally can have, as you drive along, 15 cars to a lane, and often not even cars. It's a guy on a bicycle carrying inordinate amounts of stuff. There can be a, a donkey and a cart. There can be 10 people on a motor. You, you never know what you're going to get. Now, traffic lanes are optional. Traffic lights, although they're flashing, they obviously mean something different because people just do whatever they want. It's red will go, you know, whatever. Anything goes. And I remember sitting there one day in particular as we were weaving through Mumbai traffic at the uh, taxi driver next to me and I could just feel my anxiety levels, my stress levels. No one else has ever felt that, I'm sure. They're just, you know, you're in that place. I'm like, I'm just not comfortable. This is not good. And then all of a sudden as we're weaving through the, you know, the 15 lanes of traffic that are condensed to only a few lanes and the taxi drives, driver does something which I found out was quite commonplace over there. Uh, but I'd never seen this before. He couldn't get where he wanted to go in our current lane, so he literally pulled into the lane of oncoming traffic and just continued like there was no care in the world. He was weaving up the side lane beside the oncoming traffic. And I tell you what, my life flashed before my eyes. And the, the thing in the midst of that moment of sheer terror... I looked to the driver, and do you know what he was doing? In the midst of all of this, the midst of literally taking my life into his hands, and he had this little wry smile. I think he might have even let out a little giggle. My life is flashing before my eyes, and he's giggling behind the driving wheel. Why is that? What is going on in that picture? Well, for him, I would suggest... This was just normal. This was so far outside my expectation, my understanding of anything that could possibly be normal. But for him, he was anchored into a higher reality and a higher perspective. And you see, let's look at this verse again. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. But verse 28 explains why. He says, you've already heard me say, I've already told you this, I'm going away, but the good news is I'm actually coming back. And if you love me, like if you really knew me, if you truly understood the, the heart of my mission, he says this, and, and grab this, he says, if you love me, you would have rejoiced. You, you actually would have been full of joy right now. I'm, I'm going away. It, and there's going to be pain. There's, there's going to be you know, brutal suffering for him. There's going to be... You know, all of this questioning, but in, in the midst of the trial that would come and unfold, literally the very next day, he said, if you truly knew the bigger picture, you would be rejoicing. You would be rejoicing, not in the trials, but in the triumph. Not in the immediacy and the uncertainty 
of the circumstances, but in the certainty of his outcome. There is this capacity for us to anchor into a higher reality, this peace that passes all understanding. You know, I walked out the front door this morning. I got a little picture, and again, we're experimenting with things here. I'm just going to pop it up on the screen, and hopefully on the live stream you can see this. For others in the room, you can't, sorry. So <laughs> I'll have to describe it to you. But we had the first heavy fog. I don't know if it was foggy out your way of, of the year, and we're obviously at an elevated position. And as I literally walked out the front door, and this is what you can see in the picture, there's, as you look down in the valley, this dense, deep, heavy fog. Like you literally couldn't see more than a couple of feet in front of you. But we're, we're positioned right at that angle so that you can look down and see the fog, but you can look up and there was just clear skies. You can see the, the peak of the mountain just in the distance. And you know, I've discovered it's often those mornings with the heaviest fog down in the valleys where you can't see anything, that as you lift your perspective and look up as you rise to a higher heights, they can be the most glorious and magnificent sunrises. The sunlight just reflecting off this dense cloud of fog. And so there's this invitation as, as Jesus is in this place, he says, I want to give you something that you'll never find in this world. I want to give you a gift. He's saying, I have this peace. And this is the source of my peace is that I'm anchored into a higher reality. As I walked out my front door and saw that reality, that, that it was just, it was so clear in my heart, the Lord saying, where are we going to choose to fit our expectations and our perspective in this season? Is it going to be in the midst of the valley, in the fog? We, we literally don't know what's, what's happening two feet in front of us. We don't know what's going on anywhere around us. Or can we grab a hold of that higher perspective and can we see the glory and goodness of a God who wants us to anchor into his peace that surpasses, that's bigger, that's better, that's greater than all our understanding and all the circumstances and situations that are around us. Not the uncertainty of circumstance, but the certainty of his faithfulness to us. I might get the worship team to come back out, but I want to just go to uh, one passage of Scripture here just as we bring this to a conclusion. Look at that. I'm, I'm nearly there and it's only been 13 minutes, so this is a new world record. Because there's one more aspect of this, this picture of peace. We've seen peace as this, this gift. Peace is this perspective that we can anchor our lives into in the midst of seasons that we find ourselves, but particularly if, if we're going to survive and not just survive, if we're going to thrive in this season, then we've got to make sure that we are anchored into the perspective of the peace that he offers. But turn with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. There's a story here that, that I love. It's a story, of course, of Jesus. He's in the boat with his disciples. And it says this, on, on that day... This day that Mark's recording. It says, When evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat. And there's other boats there with them. And it says, A great windstorm arose. And remember, these guys were mainly fishermen, so they knew what a decent storm looked like. 
This is Peter, we believe, probably recording these events to Mark as he pens them down. He's like, this was, this was a fierce storm. So fierce, it says, that the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling up. I mean, this is, this is not an everyday storm. This is panic stations. These are guys who are, are used to being out on the water and they themselves, they are afraid. And they'll come in a minute to find Jesus. It says in verse 38, this is where he is. I still love this picture. This is my favorite bit in the whole story. But he, being Jesus, his windstorms, his waves breaking into the boat, it's filling up. But Jesus is there. In the stern, it says, asleep on the cushion. <laughs> Isn't that the most fantastic picture of peace? There's storms happening, there's waves crashing, there's terror everywhere. Where's Jesus? He's just found a pillow, just having a little nap. What a picture of peace. Just peace in the midst of the storm. So it says the second half of verse 38. And they came to him, they woke him up, they said, Teacher, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? I mean, you can hear their terror. It's not just, we're going to sink, you know, we're, we're in a bit of trouble. He's, we're going to die. Like, are, you, are you seriously aware of the circumstances around us? There's a verse 39, and he being Jesus awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, and catch this, this is what Jesus says. He wakes up, rebukes the wind, and he says, peace, be still. Peace. In the midst of the circumstance, He's proclaiming peace. And it says, the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Verse 40, he said to them, what are you so afraid about? Have you still got no faith? And they were all filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey? Wow. That's a whole other dimension of peace, isn't it? And this is my encouragement there as we're talking about peace. You know, I've been praying, Lord, what, what are we to pray? How are we to respond as your believers? And we've talked about many different things already in different ways. We'll talk about others in coming weeks. But as I said, this is the stirring in my heart. That we're to be a people where this sort of picture of Peace is not just an account we read, but it's the journey we live. And for Jesus, you know, peace wasn't just his pillow. Peace was his proclamation. It wasn't just the place that he came to lay down his head. It was the power he declared and he proclaimed in the midst of the storm. It wasn't just that he could sleep through it all. He said, no, I, I know what I carry. And I'm not just giving peace to his disciples and to us, but I'm going to stand and proclaim peace over the storms and the winds and the circumstances that surround us. And I believe that we're to do that. Even, even this morning, I want to proclaim peace over you. And I want to encourage us that we are to be a people who are peace proclaimers, to speak it out, to pray it, 
Let that be on our lips. Peace, be still. In the midst of the supermarket lines, in the midst of the circumstances, workplace for those who are still in their workplaces. Even maybe be bold and step out and say, you know what? I've, I've got something that I can pray over you. Can I just pray a blessing of peace? I just want to bless you with peace. That we would be a people of peace. Can we stand? If you're at home, you can sit, you can stand. So we conclude. And Father, as we just bring our time together in this way to a close this morning, Lord, I want to pray a blessing of peace. I bless you with that peace that passes all understanding. A peace that comes not from the world, it comes not from the circumstances. It's a peace that comes from the person and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That peace that stands guard over our hearts and minds. And Lord, I pray that even this morning, there'd be a lifting of our perspective. Far above the, the fog of the valley. Give us that capacity to anchor into your peace that's greater and it's bigger and it's better. It's more beautiful and glorious and wonderful. And Lord, I pray even this coming week for moments where we can not only rest in your peace, but we can proclaim your peace. And we speak peace over the turmoil, peace over anxious hearts, peace over the fear that has gripped and paralyzed people. In the midst of the storms, we stand as your people. We pray and we declare, peace, be still. So we anchor our hearts and ourselves and our affection in the one who is the Prince of Peace. Now we're going to finish this morning just as a, with a song, as a declaration of just the goodness. Of